not quite done with the Christmas decorations. Got a couple here to enliven our altar. There we go. Now, yes, there is a purpose for these two, uh, well, I guess you could call them both plants. One's on its last legs there. Because I want to speak as we begin our year on a passage we began to look at last week. I'll move this over here. And it's a passage in the book of James where James, writing to Christians, says, there is a way that I want you to respond to God's word that can save your souls. So he's writing to Christians, and yet he's instructing us that we should do something that can save our souls. So we'll talk about that here in a second, but that's going to that's going to illustrate this a bit. So our passage in the book of James, there we go, is in James chapter 1. And we're going to look there. Let's begin by asking God to guide us. Father, this is your word. This is not my opinion. But I pray that you would help me to let it be your word and not my opinion by being able to understand and communicate the truth of this passage. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear, God. You, you use that phrase, Jesus. Let those who have ears, let them hear. So implying that there is a way to hear but not really understand. Let us not be among those. But this morning as we are here and we are receiving your word, would you help us to do that with understanding in our mind, but also in our heart, how we should respond. Thank you, Father. Amen. All right, so our passage in the book of James, James chapter 1, 19, as we talk about saving our souls by receiving God's word. And our brother, James, through the Spirit, writes this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires or the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word... I don't think I... Having some issues there. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So last week we began talking about this. We looked at the first part of, of this. Oh, well, you have it here in, the, in your Bible. I'm not sure if we'll get it on the screen or not. We began looking at this where he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteous life that God requires. And then he goes right into that right after talking about receiving the word with humility that can save our souls. And it's literally the way he puts it in the Greek language, save our soul. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, as we talked about last week, what I think he has in mind is this. 
The word of God comes as the gospel message that we receive by believing in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And that is, becomes an implanted word within us. This is an a, a agricultural term. It's implanted like a seed, right? Now, it's in us. It's a seed because it's a gift. We didn't generate it ourselves. And yet, a seed is designed to grow. So when God saves a person, there is a righteous life that he desires. Just like when I plant something in the ground as a gardener, there is a, an idea of a plant in my mind that I want to grow. I have here a, a tulip bulb. Not, technically not a seed, but makes the same point. In, I really like tulip bulbs for some reason. Anyway, I planted uh, about 100, 150 of these around the yard this, la this last fall. And you know what? I didn't do that just because I wanted some back exercise, all right? Uh, I did it because I had the expectation and desire that this will grow into a certain kind of plant. And so when it says the implanted word, that's the same idea. There is a righteous life that God desires for us. And he plants the seed within us, but we have a response on making that grow. And that's kind of why I brought these uh, two poinsettias up here. Now, these two poinsettias uh, were bought at the same time. They were bought from the same vendor. They, uh, they had the same type of soil. Everything is the same, except one of them has been tended and the other has not. And we can see which one is which pretty easily, right? Technically, this is still alive. Both were planted from a seed, but one has received the care needed to flourish and thrive, and the other hasn't. So the idea is that there is a seed of the gospel, this righteous life, that God has implanted in your soul if you are a believer. Remember, he says, dear brothers and sisters. He's talking to believers. And there's a way we respond to it that can make this turn into this, or we can ignore it, and that's what happens. So do you want to know how? I hope so. Let's see if we've got this working out. All right, that's fine. All right, so a couple things here. How do we receive the word in this way that can save our souls, that can, that can make us flourish in this righteous life that God desires, this inward life? Well, I'm going to suggest the passage has basically three ideas, especially in verses 20 through, 22 through 25. We looked at uh, 19 through 21 mostly last week. First of all, if we're going to receive the word in a way that can save our souls, we have to receive it as a mirror and not a window. A mirror and not a window. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if I look out through the window over here or over here at my home, what am I doing? I am looking through something that gives me a vision of the world outside me. And sometimes when we come to the Bible, that is what we want to get. We want the information that God gives about the world or about theology, or about this particular belief or doctrine. All right, I'm not saying that we should never do that. But what James has in mind to receiving the word is not like looking out a window at things outside of us. He's talking about looking at a mirror that reflects back who we are and what we should change. And that's where he goes into this uh, well-known passage. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. In other words, they look at the mirror and they don't change anything. So let's think of someone to 
pick on here? Oh, Pastor Nate, right there. All right. So imagine Pastor Nate goes and he looks in a mirror some morning and he sees that his collar has this big stain on it and his hair is messed up and, uh, and maybe there's some broccoli in his teeth, you know. And he looks at himself in the mirror and he sees three things wrong and he looks and he kind of shrugs himself, okay, great, now I know what's wrong with me. And he walks out, doesn't fix anything. That's the idea he's talking about of being, hearing the word of God, reading it, but not engaging it as a mirror that should correct what's wrong with us. So what I mean then is that when we receive the word in a way that can save our souls, it's not just reading it to get information, like looking out the window. It's reading it as a mirror. God, show me the truth about not only you, you and your ways and your world, but about me and what I need to change. And then secondly, he says, we receive the word that saves our soul when we look at it not only as a mirror, but we look at it intently. Intently. Verse 25. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. Now, what does he mean here? Well, remember how he just talked about looking in a mirror? All right, he's, he's using there the ordinary word in Greek language you would use for look. Kind of like our equivalent, just look. But there's a different word he uses here when he talks about looking intently. In fact, the, the root behind this is actually to bend down, as if you're going to examine something very minutely. Do you remember in the Gospels where it talks about Mary coming into the tomb of Jesus and bending down to look at the place where he was laying? She's like, i got to figure this out. And she bent over. That's the same word in the Greek language as you hear. And the idea is not just to read the word, but as Psalm 1 talks about, to meditate upon it, to examine it. Part of the problem that we have with the scripture is that often we, we read it and we want to get through a certain amount of chapters in a, in a given year or something, which is, which is great. It's better than not reading it at all. But we're not taking the time to stoop over and examine and look at it intently, right? I uh, thought of an illustration. We used this once before ah, as I'm about to knock over my illustration. So if you have two cups of water here and a couple tea bags. And one way you can respond to the word is basically if your soul is the water here and get that word in there and there's contact, right? But it's not contact that lasts very long. Another way is taking in the word and letting it soak in there. And what happens? What happens here when there's a long soaking process, in fact, sometimes you're not going to see it for a little while, is this. The water itself is changed. The water is not just in contact with the tea, but the water becomes tea in a way that this one does not. So this one had contact with the tea, like we may have contact with the word now and then, but unless it's an intent Unless we're doing it again and again, it doesn't change what's inside of us. And that kind of leads to the third thing here then as well. Whoever looks intently in the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. So we look at it as a mirror, we look at it intently, and then we look at it repeatedly. 
That's the idea that he has in mind. This is the way that the word saves our soul. Not again our eternal destiny, but allows that plant within us that, that God has put there, that seed, to become all that should be within us. Receive it as a word, receive it intently, and receive it continuously. Do this again and again, as we have here. There is time that's involved here. Coming back to picking on Pastor Nate, which uh, is always a good thing to do. So let's extend our illustration of there a little bit. Suppose you, uh, you meet Pastor Nate on the street or sometime, and, uh, and you know he's really a mess. His hair is messed up. There's dirt and smudge marks on his cheek. Um, there's even more stuff in his, in his teeth. And uh, his clothes are dirty, and, and that stain is still there. And you're like, Nate, you, you know, you doing okay here? Um, you know, ha- have you have you looked in a mirror lately? He says, Well, yeah, I looked in a mirror a week ago. Huh? Well, there's your problem. <laughs> a lot can happen in a week. Now, I pick on Nate because he's always very well groomed and everything. But uh, that's the idea, right? Is that we can receive the word and look at it as a mirror, and then another week goes by before we do that again. And there's a lot. There's a lot that can go wrong within us in a week. That's why he's making this point. We receive it as a mirror. We receive it intently. But there's also an ongoing doing this again and again. Now, we don't like that. It takes time. And that's why he talks about, at the very beginning, we have to do this humbly receiving the word. Because we recognize that we need it. I remember when our daughter, Sarah, she was about 14 and she was on the tennis team and wanted to get better. So she started taking uh, her tennis more seriously and she asked if she could take lessons. So I said, sure. So we signed her up with Rusty, uh, the coach, great guy. And uh, we set it up and she had her first lesson. Now, did she conclude after that, okay, well, I've had a lesson now, I'm good to go. Well, no. There was an ongoing need for lessons involved here. You can uh, watch the NFL players today. They have incredible skills that have been honed over decades. So very natural gifts that they've worked on for for many, many years, and you're going to see them on display. And what do they do? They come in tomorrow or Tuesday, and they practice again. And they're going to practice every day. Why? Because some things are so important and so central to who we are that we give ourselves to them again and again. Now, why? Let's begin wrapping this up. That sounds like a lot of work. Why should I do this? One reason is what we began with. Because this is the way we receive the word, which he talks about saving our souls. But then he begins to wrap this up, and he gives two other words. He says, this is the perfect law that gives freedom. Now, when I first read that, and maybe you too, you're like, wait a second. I'm not sure, James, you know how law works, all right? Laws restrict your freedom. They tell you what you can't do. And I think James would respond, okay, you are misunderstanding what I mean. There is the word of God, which shows God's ways, but it is not a law that restricts your freedom and tells you what you can't do. It is designed to be a way of freeing you to do what you could not do before. See, very often we have a very simple idea of freedom or liberty. No one can tell me what to do. And, and 
there's an element of that, but that's not the heart of what liberty or freedom is about. Let me give you an example. And uh, I'll use Nate one more time in a good way this time. You saw Nate come up here, and he was able to play all those songs. And um, he, he plays that seemingly so effortlessly, right? Effortlessly. Now, if I sat down here, and Nate was sick this morning, and I sat down there and tried to play it, all we would get is a cacophony, an audible mess, right? Why? I can't play the piano. I have never taken the time to learn, to put the hours in to practice. Now, the upshot of that is this. Nate has more freedom than I do. He can choose to play that instrument or not. I only have one of those choices. I have the choice not to play that instrument because I've never given myself to learning how to play it. I don't have the freedom to do that. So Nate has more freedom than I do because he's able to make that instrument sound like it's supposed to be so that all of us can enjoy and embrace that music and hopefully grow a little bit closer to our Lord. That's the idea here. God doesn't give us his word simply because he's a dictator who wants to control everything we do. If that's all he had in mind, he didn't have to give us any free will. It would spare him a lot of trouble and cost on the cross itself, right? His design is that our will becomes engaged with his, immersed with his, that our own unique life shows forth his goodness in a way that he designed us to be as his, as his image in this world. Each one of us uniquely. But each one of us connected with him and filled with him. So that's the idea. It says, this is the law, the word, that gives that kind of liberty. And then finally he says, this person will be blessed in what they do. And here I think maybe he's hearkening back to Psalm 1, that this whole passage in a way is a New Testament reflection on Psalm 1 maybe. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is on the word of the Lord and on his law or his word he meditates day and night. And that person, that person will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, everything they do will prosper in God's definition of that term. Blessed is the person who does this. And that's the idea. This is a plant that has received the blessing of the right kind of care, and this is one that hasn't. Well, we come back to this now. As we can see, it's only been about five or ten minutes, right? But one of these has been engaged in a repeated way, with something that changes its very nature. And that's what this word is designed to do. Now, last thing I'm not going to deal with here, but rather in the life group, and that is kind of the way that this can happen. So we're actually going to end uh, the service, well, a few minutes early. We're going to do one more song. But I'm going to invite you to stay because I, I want to take this beyond this is what you should do. And really, we've given some instruction on, on the ways to do this, but I want to drill down a little bit deeper and give us tools. And there are different kinds um, of, of tools. I I'm also want to present a new one that I'm going to be offering to the church as a, as a daily devotional. Um, but I'm going to do that in life group. There's a way of human change. Uh, there's a way of consistent human change that... Uh, it's called VIM, 
kind of think of vim and vigor. V-I-N, vision, intention, and means. It's the way you really change about anything. If I want to learn how to speak uh, German, I first have to have a vision of why that's so important to me, that I'd give up the time. Then I have to, have to make the, actually make the intention, okay, I'm going to do this. And then thirdly, I've got to have the means. It can't just be a good intention. I'm going to have to sign up. I'm going to have to engage in an app or an online course or a tutor or a class. There has to be a, a way. I, I, that's what I'm hoping that we're at, that we have a vision that we have a vision of our inner life being like this and not like this, of receiving God's blessing, of living in the, the freedom that he desires us to have, of thriving and letting that plant grow into the beautiful thing that God desired when he planted it. I hope that's our vision. And then I hope then that right now we say to ourselves, I'm going to do this. This is my vision, and here's my intention, I will spend more time in the Word this year. And then we're going to come to where we're talking about the means of that, how to do that, vision, intention, and means. But let's just uh, sing one last song as a way to kind of solidify that vision, but especially that intention. Be thou my vision. So we're asking God that he and his ways are more important to us this year than ever before. And the things of this world that might compete for our affections and our attention and our time become less important this year than ever before. Would you guys come and lead us in that? <laughs>